Welcome to IVP's Future of Work podcast. In this series, we talk with experts from the fastest growing companies and discuss the ins and outs of the future of work in the ever-changing environment. If you like what you hear, consider following us on SoundCloud or subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. Thanks and enjoy the show. Welcome to a special edition podcast on the future of work. I'm very excited to talk with three notable experts and share their experiences with all of you. The future of work is especially relevant right now as everyone transitions to a new shelter-in-place environment as a result of this difficult COVID-19 situation. Those putting their own health at risk on the front lines are doing the true hard work for which we are all grateful. In this first episode, I will talk to Tamar Yahashua, who is currently the Chief Product Officer at IVP portfolio company Slack, with an impressive prior tenure at Google, Amazon, and Intel. Tamar, I'll cover your background quickly. So you graduated with degrees in mathematics and computer science, and that led you first to engineering leadership positions before moving then to product management. In product management, you had tenure at three companies that my guess is our audience has heard of, Amazon, Intel, and Google. If a full-time job wasn't enough, you've added public boards to your load, including IVP portfolio company Yext and ServiceNow. Now today, you find yourself as chief product officer at Slack, And from here, I'd like to hear you explain Slack and the product you provide in your words. Yeah, so Slack is a channel-based messaging platform, moving people from email, which they're used to for collaboration, into a more channel-based platform for their messaging so that you can focus your messaging around specific projects as opposed to make it much harder to find what's going on and also to include the right people who you need for whatever you need it for, and it's much more flexible and agile. And on top of that, it's got a platform that can integrate all of the other SaaS apps into it. Yeah, super cool. I mean, I think that relates very closely to this whole idea of future of work, which, you know, my definition, I guess, is really all those companies just transforming business. So Slack as a channel-based messaging layer within organizations, it seems like that's very fundamental to the future of work. So what are the changes you've witnessed firsthand given your position? And within that, I would say you specifically have talked about how successful organizations need this like clarity and alignment. How does Slack play into that? Yeah, we definitely have a front row seat into how people are trying to change how they work. You hear the term digital transformation a lot, and we've heard it for many years now. And But it keeps changing what it means as the tools that are in the marketplace change. So I think the biggest trend that we see is the proliferation of vertically specific SaaS apps. So most large organizations use over a 1,000 different apps now which was not the case before, before people had bundles from large companies of most of the applications that they use. So we're seeing a lot more specificity you've got for engineers, things like Atlassian and uh, PagerDuty that are much more specialized, and you have things like Trello and Ally for project management, et cetera, down the line. And so we see that, and we see that on the one hand, it's been great because anybody can just download a tool and use it. But on the other hand, it's become much more difficult to manage. That's one of the things we look at at the value of the Slack platform is making it easier to take advantage of all of the SaaS apps because I don't think that's going away. I don't think we're going to go back to a bundled world. I think people really like the aspect that they can use for their job the tool that's much more specific to them. So I think that's one of the biggest trends that that we're seeing. Um, On your second question, 
about organization, uh, organizational alignment and clarity. Yeah. It's a really interesting one. Over my career, the one thing that's been constant is, is managing large technical teams and different domains, different sizes. But the one thing that I've, I've really noticed is that the teams that communicate effectively are much more successful and much more productive. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the General McChrystal's book, Team of Teams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that book. And you know, they talk about having daily stand-ups with 7,000 people. So that's a little excessive, and hopefully mm-hmm. most companies don't need that. But the idea of sharing information with purpose and aligned with the projects in a very open way makes people feel more empowered. And that's a lot of what we try and do with this product is how do you share information very quickly, rapidly, and in agile teams that you can spin up a channel really easily with the people you need. You can archive it when you're done, spin up a new one. Like what's going on today right now with all of the remote workers and COVID-19 is just fascinating about how we are using Slack and how other people are using it. Yeah. Oh, we could go in so many directions. I was going to wait on COVID, but I'll humor you and we should talk about it now just because Slack is so well positioned. So, I mean, it is the elephant in the room, like so much market dislocation, you know, and with market dislocation, I think you have many losers, but some winners. So how is Slack adjusting internally? What is Slack doing with customers to help respond to COVID and work from home and, and sort of this new normal? It's been such an interesting time. So first of all, like we want the safety of our employees at first and making sure that we're responding to what our employees need. And so we are fully working from home, like most companies. And at first it was, hey, you can work from home if you want. And then it was, please, we strongly encourage you to work from home. And what's happened is within the company, we have a very customer-first mentality. And we're spinning up so many things to try and help our customers. Because our customers are like banging on the door saying, please, we don't know how to work remotely. Can you help us? And so we've got like large customers saying, hey, are you ready? Can you handle it? So we're mm-hmm. so on that front, we're assuring them, yes, we can handle it. You don't have to worry. Even though we're, we're working from home, we can still support you. And then we've got just new customers saying, hey, is this going to help us? And so what we've done is a lot of things. We've put out um, a lot more material on our website for pointers on how you can work from home, how you can use Slack for remote work. And the most impactful thing we've done is we're offering free consultations for people on how to work from home. And we sent out a call within the company for anybody who wants to do a consultation. And within like minutes, we got 200 people sign up with Slack employees who are willing to do consults with external customers. That's super cool. It is. It's, so, it's like people are rallying because they want to help people through this crisis. I got a message this morning from a product manager on my team who did her first consult. And she's like, it was so much fun. And she talked to um, somebody who runs an accelerator in Toronto and is trying to figure out how they can shift all of their in-person consultations and upcoming events to be fully virtual. So she walked them through it. She helped explain what we're doing internally at Slack. We moved our um, sales offsite, was supposed to be in Phoenix. We moved it to fully digital. Right leveraging Slack for a lot of the communication. And and what Slack does is it mirrors, like we had a Zoom webinar and then we had a channel where people were like the human side of people were interacting, posting pictures of what their home office looked like, asking questions Mm -hmm. about the presentation in real time, threading all those questions for each presentation. And so you got the social interaction by the combination of using the webinar and Slack. 
Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think this discussion around future of work really centers around this like shared acknowledgement that the future isn't going to look like the present or we wouldn't all be talking about the future of work. Mm -hmm. And with that, we're going to experience a ton of change, you know, as it relates to COVID a little bit, but maybe more broadly, people are resistant to change. So what do you think is the people element required around introducing some of these new digital tools, for example, Slack into a large organization? So change is hard. And we definitely acknowledge that. And I would say there's change within the COVID response and then change outside of that. So first, just in general, one of the things that I think is most important in our organization is we have a customer success organization that helps large companies through the change management. So we realize that to really leverage Slack, you have to bring people along. You can't just give them the tool and see what they do with it. For large customers, we have a dedicated or a set of customers will have a dedicated customer success manager who sets them up with what channels they should be using, how they should be using their channels, training their employees, what apps they should be using, what integrations they should be building. And we found this incredibly helpful. We had a panel of customers at our last product offsite, and one of the customers is just like, I use Slack as my example for all SaaS companies of how they should build their customer success. So I was very proud, and I sent that clip to our customer success, the VP of the customer success team. But I really do think it's very defining for our company. And then what we're doing is we're trying to take the materials that they've built and the approach that they have and put that into our Slack one-on-one, which is online, and into our help center so we can use that same approach for the people who are coming in through the self-service tunnel. We're not there yet. We're still adding mm-hmm. a lot. There's still a lot of room for improvement, but we're trying to improve a lot more on how and help themselves. And then to the, like, what's going on right now, I think um, I think it's going to be a real catalyst. I think with everybody working from home, some people love it, some people hate it, but it's changing how they communicate. And I see it at Slack within Slack. People who are kind of hesitant to jump into channel discussions, now they're like going in full force because that's their way of communicating. So the, yeah. the communication in our Slack channels is kind of skyrocketed in a very positive and healthy way that now everybody's communicating. And I think that when we go back to going into the office, one, I think we're going to see a lot more requests for people to work remotely because they will have figured it out. And I think we're going to see the way people communicate will never go back to 100% yeah. what it was before. Now, a lot of, you know, Slack was originally, I think, to my knowledge, geared for knowledge worker settings. And I think a lot of what we're talking about here is knowledge worker settings. But I do think the future of work relates universally to all workers, whether it's salaried, contingent, hourly. And I've heard you talk about sort of this very small subset, the four and five person ice cream shop. So how has Slack expanded the product or the go to market to addressing this non-knowledge worker segment? So we feel like Slack is a product that can work for anyone and it can work for a small company, it can work for a large company, it can work for a place like Single Thread, which is a restaurant. It's fascinating how they're using Slack to just organize the, their menus and their what they pick from the garden. And so we feel like the platform is generic hmm. and can meet anyone's needs. So we're not tailoring it to any one set of people because I think anybody needs more transparency than information, any kind of business, any kind of business needs more agility. The type of apps, you can build your own custom apps. You can use some of our third-party integrations. So we really don't differentiate. And that's the beauty of the self-serve funnel is that 
we see all kinds of people coming in through this funnel that you wouldn't expect from governments. Like we just announced like that the VA uh, signed up with Slack for their hospitals. We have a large defense contractor on. And then we have like the Jackson Hole Wildlife Safari that their naturalist guides and wildlife photographers are using Slack to communicate and to like identify in real time like the movements and hibernations of like migrating elk, elk and buffaloes and deers. I never would have thought of that as a use case and it's just so cool to see it happening. That's awesome. I'm sure it's fun to see those examples because you see plenty of the tech companies and enterprises, but those are probably more fun. We have a channel in Slack that's called New Users, and it's a feed of people who are signing up, the names of companies signing up in the funnel, and it's like mesmerizing. You sit there and you watch one after another coming in from just like places that you would never imagine. A lot of universities, a lot of students creating projects, and this is could be anything. We have a friend of mine bought an apartment and said their HOA was on Slack. Like, really? <laughs> so it's, it, it's quite fascinating. <laughs> That's awesome. So as it relates to your functional work, less so Slack, but product development, is there an opportunity for innovation there? Because um, one, of, one of the other panelists we had was um, from Humu, so working on people analytics loosely within HR. The way we talk about HR, it's becoming really data-driven, just as marketing had its transformation to data-driven. Like, What do you think the big shift we should expect in product management to be over the next 5, 10 years? So um, I'm seeing a big shift at Slack of how we do product management. So product management has always used lots of data, you know, I was at from the data I was at Amazon to, to Google, we used a lot of experimentation and data. And I think what the shift for us is getting closer to our customers. So we're working on a pretty big new feature that's going to be launched soon that we did for our development is we're moving much more towards rapid prototyping and showing things to customers early. So we actually used a shared channel with some of our champions and admins and gave them early previews of the feature of what we were working on. And the developers and the product managers were in the channel with our customers, getting the feedback in real time and making changes to the product in real time as they were testing it. Hmm. And it was so cool to see. So we had in the channel a whole system you use a green circle if it's positive feedback, a white circle if it's neutral, and a red circle if like this isn't working for me. And so what we did is we made a lot of changes to our development based on the customer feedback. And we also, this is a way of bringing them along. Is instead of saying, hey, here's something new, surprise, we actually said, here's a sneak peek. It's something we're doing and we want your feedback. So we really rely heavily on user testing and user input. And I think that the tools we have now can allow us to do that in a way that I hadn't seen before. Yeah, interesting. So you're just bringing them into the process a lot sooner. So nothing's a big, huge surprise. Yeah, and taking their feedback before we've actually launched a product, but in the development cycle. Yeah, makes sense. So, I mean, you spend your days in a productivity tool called Slack, you know, focused on product management, and then... You also do all of your product management, product direction for a tool called Slack, which is, you know, sort of meta when you come when it comes to it. So what are the joys or maybe the nuisances on having that overlap every day? Well, it's really, really fun to be able to work on a product that you use every day. So that's you feel like you can actually control your destiny in some way. Uh, so that that is awesome. And you know the product inside and out and you have a customer mindset. The downside is, of course, 
everybody has an opinion in the company and everybody has their pet, pet like feature that they want to see. Right. So you have to manage that. At one point we had launched a dog food feature internally of something that not launched externally. And there were reasons why we couldn't launch it externally because it was built on a shaky architecture and et cetera, et cetera. And everyone loved it and everybody was using the feature and we actually turned it off internally because we said our customers are not using this and we can't be using something and relying on something that our customers aren't using. And people were really upset, but they kind of intellectually understood. And we have since built the feature. It's going to be released soon, but it was like six months of go away. And so managing that is interesting. But I think the biggest challenge is that we use Slack in a very extreme way. Like there's literally not an email that is sent internally at Slack. Yeah. And we have to be careful about not prioritizing features that we want, but prioritizing features that our customers want. So that's an interesting balance of what we try and do is make sure that the product and engineering organization has enough exposure to customers outside of Slack employees that they're getting feedback from a set of people and not just internally. So I have to balance yeah. that when we're looking at the roadmap and say, no, I'm not going to give engineers all the features that you want. Where those aren't the only ones we're going to develop, but we have to think about like a new user, brand new, fresh into Slack and doesn't know anything about it. How do we help them? Yeah, I'm sure it's a tough balance. So last question, this is probably more controversial, but I'd love to hear your perspective, which is the balance of what are we gaining by interacting with digital software and digital assistance, intelligent assistance on a daily basis, but then the messier, like, will this future of productivity and being augmented by intelligent software, will that come at a cost for people, for companies? There's so much to be gained by machine learning and using data to improve our algorithms. I think the key is, Two things, being transparent with how you're using data and putting the customer in control. Customers should be always in control, whether it's a consumer app or an enterprise app, in how their data is being used so they can decide. I think if you give them those controls and they're in plain English and they're clear and you also are transparent with what you're doing, then you can use it for really improving productivity. For example, how we use machine learning for autocomplete. Like if you're in Slack and you use it all the time and you are about to send a direct message for somebody, we put the float to the top, the people who you most often talk to. Mm -hmm. A very simple thing that's using machine learning. It's using an understanding of how you communicate and who you communicate to. And it's really effective and really helpful. And you're aware of it. And it's, I don't think that there are any downsides to that. Mm-hmm. And for Slack, we're an enterprise company. So the trade-offs are a little bit different because all of the information is that we're using is within your enterprise. And the other thing is we pay a lot of attention to like retention policies. So enterprises can set their retention policies. Uh, encryption. So we can, we have something called enterprise key management. So enterprises can own their own key, have their own key to the encryption. So all of this is so that an enterprise is in control and can see how we're using the data and what we're using it for, and they can decide what's right for them. And I think that's really the key. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. Well, Tamar, thank you for being our guest. We really appreciate it. This is really insightful, um, and it's always nice to hear, you know, a big, successful company like Slack, how you guys are doing things internally. Uh, My pleasure. It It was great chatting with you. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Thank you to everyone today for listening, and I thoroughly hope you enjoyed our discussions. Thank you for listening to IVP's Future of Work podcast. 
You can learn more about us on IVP.com or join the conversation on Twitter by tweeting at IVP.